Coming up on this episode of This Is True Really News, I'm going to talk about Alfred. I'm going to talk. I'm I'm going to try to talk in the second story of this episode. Please like subscribe. Is online gambling a thing? Because we could place bets on it. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Yeah. Please like subscribe and follow. This is true. Really news. We need the viewers and listeners. Heck, we're trying to set up a retirement in someplace better than Foley. What's what could be better than Foley in the winter? Akron. Almost anything. Yeah. Well, except Akron, maybe. <laughs> this is true. Really news with Scott Combs and Tony Vercanis. All the news you're about to hear is true. Really. As far as you know. I have two sports stories for you. Okay. Do you want the good one or the bad one? I'll give you the inspirational one first because that way we can end with the bad one. Oh, good. And I, I mean, mean bad. I, the only reason I even saw this was it was it mentioned Wapaton, North Dakota. Oh. It is yeah. the home of the North, North Dakota State's. I thought it was the School of Science. Now it's called the College of Science. Mm. That's where my sister went to get her hygienist stuffy done. Oh, okay. Okay. I think they suffered vaguely. Yeah, I remember you talking about it. Yeah. Before. Okay. They suffered a heartbreaking loss. Yep. In early September. They were stopped at the goal line as time ran out, and that kind of put a jolt into their national championship ambitions. And wouldn't you know it, you know how teams get after they've had that happen, right? Well, yeah. They're crushed. Yeah. The emotions are all over. Yep. And yet a backup defensive lineman stepped forward with a little pep talk, and it was a very little one. Ray Rushel told his junior college teammates, quote, forget it. Focus on the rest of the season and things will work out. That seems wise to me. One of his teammates said, Ray just came up and said, you know, it's not really failing, right? He said, we just have to put the emotion to the side and we got the rest of the season and playoffs to show who we are. Now, when it comes to inspiration, the youngsters could do worse than looking to Russell's own story and the path that brought him to the small vocational-minded school oh. in North Dakota. Okay. You see, after nearly two decades in the Army and National Guard, Russell was working as a night shift mechanic at a North Dakota sugar beet factory, and they're huge. Yeah. I mean, size-wise, they're just humongous. When he decided to enroll at the North Dakota State College of Science. The school offers two-year programs in manufacturing, skilled trades, healthcare, and the liberal arts. If you're wondering, I'm the wondering. Backup, the backup defensive lineman is 49 years old. Oh my! Might have a perspective the youngsters haven't quite learned yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, at 49, and you're still willing to go out there and put in the work. Good on you. You're right. Let me think about when I was 49. No, I could teach karate. That'd be about it. I'm thinking at 49, I could get up out of a chair without having to think about it. That was good. But you were starting to make the noises. Oh, all the noises were already there. Yeah. 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 I had I had aches and pains and noises coming from places I didn't know could have aches, pains, or noises. <laughs> it seems the Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece, The Birds, is for the? Was based on a true story. It was. When I was in Marshall, there was one Robin. <laughs> I'm simply walking down the street. And it's after you. And this thing is diving at my head. Yeah, you were and in your I reached a certain point, and it was gone. Yep. Yep. That's how it works. But this is different because this was masses of seabirds. 
Apparently, on August 18th, are we 19th, talking like gulls? Um, I'm trying to because they're oh, evil, I can't remember no what they're called. What they're they were evil. called something other than gulls. This oh, is not because they're evil in their own right. On August 18th, 1961, seabirds in North Monterey Bay, California, were eating a toxic form of algae, which caused them to become disoriented, fly into things and people, and eventually depart this mortal coil. Oh, and they were also barfing anchovies. All in plain view of women and children. What the hell else can you do with anchovies, really? (laughs) Hitchcock lived in the area, heard about the event, followed up with the local newspaper. For the movie... He also drew inspiration from Daphne du Maurier's short story called, oddly enough, The Birds. And just to give you an idea, the toxin ingested by the birds causes confusion, disorientation, scratching, seizures, and death, and gets concentrated as it moves up the food chain. Well, yeah. It also also affects mammals. Uh Uh-oh. Humans can contract life-threatening amnesic shellfish poisoning, which causes humans to forget the names of shellfish and die. So be on the lookout for forgetful mollusks and the like. (laughs) They're a sure sign Alfred Hitchcock is at work near you. Exactly. All right, we had the fun sports story. And we know in sports, right, the aim is to win. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not quite good enough to win fair and square, what do you resort to? Cheating. Thank you. Now, I was hoping for a list from Adi of all the best cheaters in sports history, but that would be stupid because the best cheaters never got caught. caught and they never no. told anybody either. Exactly. Right. So I have I have five of those that just weren't that good. My favorite, I'll say my favorite for last. Number five, the Spanish Paralympics team. In the 2000 Paralympics, the Spanish team won the gold medal in basketball. It should have been a moment of celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Instead, it turned into one of the biggest farces in the history of the Paralympics. The Spanish team had a significant advantage over its competitors. Ten of their 12 players had no disabilities whatsoever. They, oh, for Pete's sake. If that was, why, why, why would you bother? I, exactly. Let it be the pure sport it is and let those, oh. That wasn't bad enough. Things soon got worse. They discovered the two Spanish swimmers and one table tennis player also had no handicap or disabilities. And they weren't alone. Russia had also sent its competitors with no disabilities, too. Maybe they just didn't read the rules. (laughs) Do you remember the dirtiest race in Olympic history? No. 1988, Seoul, South Korea, men's 100-meter race. Ben Johnson, Mm. a rising star. We and just he, did uh, a story on John. Oh, hang on. Uh, yep. Finish this, and then I'll tell you that. He broke the world record in the 100-meter dash with an astonishing 9.79 time. Yep. The world could barely believe their eyes. Johnson, of course, being a, a, a quiet and reserved man, said this record would stand for at least 50 years. <laughs> and he was close. It almost made the week. It, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that. Turned out that Johnson had pumped himself full of steroids, mm. you know, the, the band kind. Yeah. And just in case you're wondering, six out of the eight runners in the race besides Johnson ended up <laughs> testing positive for doping, which is why the sole 100-meter final now simply has a rather different name, the dirtiest race in Olympic history. Now, here's why that's ironic. Um, Thursday and Friday, uh, last Thursday and Friday, I put up um, two shows that were um uh classics 
from 22 years ago. Were we alive back then? Yeah, I was just a child. I must have been like, what, 10? But one of the stories was Ben Johnson. And he was in Rome. He had four grand in his pocket. He was going to get money changed. A gypsy woman and her daughter approached while the little girl asked for money. The woman robbed him. He sprinted after them, but could only catch the little girl. (laughs) And Tony's remark. How the mighty have fallen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, continue on. I just thought that was cute. Uh, We're at number three. Yeah. 1970s. Boris Onoshenko was one of the most famous athletes in the Soviet Union, probably worldwide. If you keep if you notice Olympic sports. Right. Right. He was a three time pentathlon winner Mm. and renowned as one of the best fencers in the world. So we go to the Montreal Olympics, 1976. Onoshenko seemed unbeatable. I mean, as if he was doing this with magic, he was just rolling. He must have had said one a magic sword. So one competitor became a little suspicious as he was apparently scoring points for attacks that the guy knew he never landed. Okay. As it turns out, Onoshenko's sword wasn't magic. It was a technological marvel. He had rigged the sword's pressure-sensing mechanism so that he could give himself points by simply pressing a small trigger. (laughs) What, What does that prove? What does that do for you? Well, that proves that Soviet technology was pretty good, I guess. <laughs> it was an ingenious mechanism, though. If it hadn't been for the one sharp-eyed competitor, the device probably would have never been noticed by the judges, oh which tells you a lot about your judges. Well, the Russian judge claimed he never saw it. A sad story. Donald Crowhurst, a British businessman in 1969, was going to participate in the Golden Globe race. It's a solo yacht race around the world. But his skills and boat weren't up to the challenge, really. And at some point, reality struck him, and he said, ah, this is a dumb thing for me to do. I want to die out here. Yeah. So he pulled ashore in South America and and kept radioing bogus positions that made it seem like he was winning. <laughs> and everybody 19... else is going, how's he doing that? 1969. He's in a dinghy. <laughs> Crowhurst Crowhurst did figure out eventually that no one would ever believe his lies, considering, you know, he wasn't even really racing anymore. So he went radio silent for three months and then finally called in to report that he was too far behind another sailor, Nigel Tetley, excuse me, and was prepared to give up the race. But the radio man said, don't do that. Tetley's boat had sunk. (laughs) Crowhurst was now going to win. And not, how's he going to do that? Here's where it gets sad. Yeah. Crowhurst did not want to live the rest of his life with the brand of oh, liar and cheat. Yeah. And since he had all that ocean. He just sailed off into the sunset. He threw himself overboard. Yeah. You may have guessed the body was never found. <laughs> and my personal favorite. You okay. got to go back a ways. Like 118 years. Okay. Franz Lors was an Olympic marathon runner, sort of. That might be an exaggeration. He was a bricklayer by day back then. Okay. He could probably beat the average Joe in a long-distance race, but an Olympic-level runner, no. But there he was. So despite not really training at all, he arrived. And it was a different time for the Olympics, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Despite not really training at all, he arrived first at the finish line of the marathon race in the 1904 Olympic Games in St. Louis. You're astonished, I can tell, because he he didn't actually run there. Around the nine-mile mark, Boris brazenly hopped into a car that carried him over the next 11 miles. If you're counting, that makes 20 now covered. He then got out and leisurely jogged the last, what, 6.2? <laughs> yep. He didn't even attempt to be discreet about it. He was waving to the other runners as he went by them in the car. Somehow or another, he actually sort of won the gold medal for about 10 minutes, I'm guessing. Yeah. He was stripped of that, and he didn't really care. He said it was a pretty funny joke, though. <laughs> he enjoyed himself. Good for you. Uh, good thing he didn't, like, throw himself in front of a stampede. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Walker, 32, has become something of a sensation after serenading customers at the London-Liverpool Street branch of McDonald's. For the past few years, he's been building a repertoire of hits that he sings to his customers who call him McMC. To what? McMC. Got it. His TikTok and Instagram accounts are blowing up, as you might imagine. One popular clip shows him passionately belting Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It for customers. People can be seen taking video and waving their hands in the air. Now, here's a kicker. People are coming from all over the world to see him. At a McDonald's in London, tourists from as far as hmm. Australia have come to catch a glimpse of Richard singing the hits. Well, let's, I mean, let's be honest. It's Australia. There's not a lot of entertainment. <laughs> yes, there is. Take a look at their political situation. That's true. He reminds folks. Now, but I if you can't make... see the humor of the absurd, you're in trouble. <laughs> he reminds folks. Now, I still make Berber, Berbers, burgers look after everyone and deal with unruly customers. Popping on a song is a good way to distract everybody, gets things moving, creates good vibes, and keeps the peace. More often than not, the performances result in sing-along, and he's received messages of thanks from customers for his positivity. It is the most popular McDonald's in London. I've never thought of that. Just sing to him. As a matter of fact, now that I heard it, yep, I've still never thought of that. <laughs> This is True Really News. Send email to TITR at netradio.network.